women go into the doctor with the pain points of insomnia, weight gain, energy sucks. They have irregular painful periods. They've gained 10 pounds and they're always, always, always told. One, we don't have to dry your hormones because they go up and down. So how are we going to be able to tell what's right or wrong? Two, you're just getting older. Three, you have two children under the age of five. Of course, you're going to be fatigued. They are constantly, constantly brushed off. And it's just this mindset that normal is normal and you should feel fine if you're normal. The problem is who's to say you're normal is the same as your friends, right? Normal isn't always normal. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. America's holistic gynecologist. If I could tell you, Dr. Sean, if I could tell you the amount of times, so first off, I'm in a bunch of all women text threads Mm -hmm. in Austin, all locals in Austin, like hundreds of people are in the telegram threads that I'm in. And it's just local. The Mm -hmm. amount of times the question comes up, who has a gynecologist that they trust? Yeah. A question. The amount of times that that question has been asked and then not answered, I've lost count. Multiple text threads that I'm in like this and people in the community, and no one really has anyone that they feel excited about. The last time this question was asked in one of these groups that I'm in, the only response was someone sharing, hey, I did wind up going to someone and I don't have a recommendation for you all, but I have someone not to go to. (laughs) And I'm like, That's important too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And so realizing like the amount of times this question gets asked and how little resources we have, even in a city like Austin, yeah, you know, is kind of wild because women in these groups, they prefer non-toxic living. They prefer a more holistic or naturopathic or Ayurvedic or whatever alternative to the traditional medical system. They prefer something else. And what do they have access to? Tricky. And so I am so glad that you said yes to come onto our show to mm, talk about yes. issues and challenges that women are going through and also what it even means to be a holistic gynecologist because those words really seem like they're going against each other in yeah. some ways. So I would love if you could introduce yourself a little bit, sure. tell us a little bit about you, and then, yeah, what it means when you use the term holistic gynecologist. Well, a couple of things. One is, I think what you were just talking about with the trust, that has to be earned. And I think that part of the problem, especially in this field, is the most of the providers are so busy. They're so busy with delivering babies. They just don't have the time to really invest in hormones and things like that. So that's one issue. I think with my story, I was traditional. I trained at University of Oklahoma, I did my residency there. And when I graduated residency, interestingly enough, we had a saying, this pained me to say this now, but it was a long time ago. We heal with steel, meaning we cut people open. That's how we heal people, right? And that's the mindset. That was the mindset that I came out of residency with. Well, fast forward a few years and my mom at the age of 51 was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And what was interesting about that was I knew a lot about it because I was a resident at the time. What I found in her cancer journey, she died five years later, was that I couldn't help my own mom feel better 
in between chemo treatments and whatnot, she would call me crying and her joints were hurting and her hair was falling out and her skin was, and everything was misery. And all I could say was, well, Motrin, it really felt limited. And I thought to myself, what a loser you are. You can't even help your own mother. You can't help your own mother, you know? And I really took that to heart. And so when she passed away, as we all do, when we're having a spiritual crisis, I went to Sedona. <laughs> I was living in Tucson, so it was only a few hours away. But I went to Sedona and there was this book and I was reading this book at the time. It was revolutionary. It was Eight Weeks to Optimum Health by Andrew Weil. And he was talking about all this crazy stuff like fish oil and CoQ10 and magnesium. And I was like, my God, wow. this is crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at the back of the book, it said you could sign up for this fellowship at the University of Arizona on integrative medicine. And I was like, I need to do this. I can help people. So I did the two-year fellowship. And then in the two-year fellowship, there was an eight-week session on spirituality and health. And that cracked my head open. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know this was a thing. So I did a PhD for five years and I traveled South America and worked with indigenous shamans and really just got out of the mindset that I was in. And it really had a profound effect on me. And I think what I try to do now, so on one hand, like tomorrow I have five surgeries and I operate with the robot, but then I also have this other side of me that if a woman comes in and she's having heavy bleeding, I first think of yarrow flour instead of birth control pills or whatever, you know? And so the holistic part, I think to me, that means you have one foot in the allopathic realm. I have one foot in the alternative realm. And I really try to bridge those gaps. You know, I am a bit of a skeptic, but I'm also a skeptic of my colleague. And I really try to rein them in at times because they are kind of out of control right now. And with their verbiage and the way that they talk and it's either their way or the highway. And I just don't, I like to be in the middle. And so what I try to do for my patients is bridge that gap. Mm. I love that unbiased skepticism. You all get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To get to, I think that what's really sweet in that is you didn't say it directly, but I feel it is that when you have a patient in front of you, you actually listen to them. What's important well, to them, so what their health concerns are. I always joke about this. If you ask my ex-wife, I'm probably not a great listener. But <laughs> if you ask my patients, I am. And I think that listening, whenever somebody asks you that question, what would you say is your superpower? I do feel like listening is my superpower. Now, obviously, I probably am not hitting that mark with 100%. It gets physically impossible. I mean, I might have a migraine one day or something, but... I really do try to do that. That's something that really is important because here's my thing. I think diagnoses are, it's a story. So when somebody says they have a migraine and you can just, okay, I'll give you a prescription for Imitrex. What's the story behind the migraine? When did they start? You can learn so much, even abnormal periods or fibroids or whatever it is. You can learn so much from just listening to the history of that story. And I'm telling you what, being acknowledged, and I'm a patient too, being acknowledged helps heal more sometimes than the medications do. So many women with pelvic pain, endometriosis, they don't get acknowledged for seven to eight years sometimes. I can't even imagine the frustration. I'm a doctor, so I can kind of cut the corners and talk to my friends and whatnot. To be a patient and not have that access and then have somebody dismissing you has to be the most horrendous thing I can think of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have my own stories and I'm one of oh, yeah, I'm sure. billions and billions. But the first thing that I hear go, I've heard in the past going into gynecologist office offices, you know, I worked on and lived on cruise ships for almost six mm. years. 
And I had to do these really extensive medicals every two years in order to stay in good standing so that I, I would be accepted. So my contracts would be accepted. Wow. And one of them is making sure that you get pap smears and STI testing and all these things. And to go into a clinic and get all this blood work done and then go in and do the whole gynecological part of it. And the first question is, so what's your birth control? You used to do that. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And like for the longest time, I remember whenever I was first, I don't want to say put on birth control because I asked for it. I asked for it at like 15 maybe because my friends were on it. Companies were saying that they had all these benefits to it. It's kind of like potential mothers hearing or like getting ready to have babies back in the day when it was like, oh, this breast milk is better or this formula is better than your breast milk. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, take these synthetic hormones. It's better than what your body's actually going to yep. do. Even yeah. better. Your life's going to be even better, right? No acne and no this and all these things. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, well, I'm interested in boys and I'm starting to explore and I want to make sure I'm in air quotes safe and protected. Yeah. So instead of actually learning what's going on inside of my body, because no one in my immediate vicinity actually knew it was going in on in their bodies and they were yeah. the adults that I was looking to. And even if I was looking to them, like it's an adult that doesn't really know what's going on in their own bodies, but they're in charge of in a lot of ways, a kid that also doesn't know. Like it's this, they help to create the awkward environment. They can't actually provide what they don't know. So this theory that like, oh, you should go to your parents for this information. Well, your parents don't know anything right. either. Yeah. So anyway, I was doing what I thought based off of my peers and the girls, the young women who are maybe a little bit older than I was. And so wound up with birth control at like 15. I don't know if I was 14 or 15, but I think it was probably somewhere around 15 and was on it, like on the pill and then on the NuvaRing. And then eventually I made my way to an IUD. And when I got the IUD, I was definitely pressured. Because I was in a relationship. I wasn't on birth control at the time. I was also in a really, really challenging relationship that mm. I was hiding how bad it was from my family. I was having all kinds of physiological symptoms of distress and anxiety. I was displaying some like OCD tendencies because my life felt completely out of control, like totally out of control. And I was in my like early to mid 20s. So I didn't have coping mechanisms or strategies or anything like that. And so I then go in for my checkup and He's basically like, well, are you on birth control? And I kind of laugh and I'm like, well, you have to have sex in order to need birth right. control. And he's like, well, do you want to start a family? And I go, no. Are you in a relationship? Yes. Well, then you need to be on birth control. And I basically felt pressured. I was like, yeah, oh, you know what? Even though we barely have sex and we're in a really tumultuous relationship that I'm hiding from everyone that cares about me, I think maybe I should get on birth control that just in case, because really yeah. I don't want to. But still, there I was, old enough to be engaged, old enough to be traveling around, taking care of myself, old enough for all these things, but did, still didn't know practically anything about what was actually happening inside my body to make an informed decision. Blows my mind looking back. Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of the problem is you have, well, first of all, and it's, unfortunately, it's not just younger women. So this is kind of my in-between take on birth control. I do think that for birth control, that's why it was made. And it does prevent pregnancy totally. most of the time. I think we don't inform women on the side effects of it enough. And we don't really give them the chance for an informed consent like you're making reference to with any birth control for that matter, because we make it sound like it's so easy. Like, oh, we'll just put the IUD in. It's fine. But it's sometimes not fine. 
But I think when I have a specific problem, really a big problem with birth control is when women come in and they feel like crap, they're heavy bleeding, they have insomnia, acne, heavy periods, painful periods, you name it. They're just like the first option. And most of the time, the only option they're given is birth control. If they're lucky enough to twist a doctor's arm to get hormones tested, they're told everything's fine. You're just getting older. Walk it off, rub some dirt on it, whatever. <laughs> and they're not really being listened to. And sure, the birth control pill is going to help because it just covers everything up. But it's not actually going to help you figure out what the heck the problem is. And I'm telling you what, I call it a Gomer diagnosis. Get out of my emergency room. It's like a term like we're just going to give you these pills to get you out of here kind of a right. thing. Right. And they could be it's, sugar pills. Here you go. Just That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But unfortunately, they have way more side effects. And so I think then I talked about this earlier with you is that I just think that doctors, unfortunately, I will give them the benefit of the doubt as a group. I think they want to do good by the patient. but they're seeing 50 patients a day. I mean, when I did OB, when I delivered babies, that's what you did. And now that I only do gynecology, I might see 20. And so I have way more time to spend on this stuff. And I can talk about things because I'm not doing a five minute visit, still maybe 20 minutes, but I still have that time. And so I think that's part of the problem. And that's one of the things that's really nice right now that you're seeing on the internet with like Ricky Lake and Gabby giving those, doing the movie, The Business of Birth Control. And women are now asking questions and they're out there empowering themselves. And that's really nice to see. But I also don't want to discourage a young girl who doesn't have any other options and birth control is what she has because he's not going to wear a condom or whatever in our society. Men don't. What else can guys do other than pull out and put on a condom, which how often is that going to happen? And so women have to bear that burden their whole lives. It's really ridiculous, but it is what it is. Yeah. So I do at this point still see a lot of ways that it is very empowering and where they can take control and protect Mm -hmm. themselves because not every relationship is always pushing up roses all the time. I was in one where I'm so grateful that I didn't procreate in it. Mm -hmm. What I think is the meaning of the middle is doing better and being better as people who will have children and teenagers and young adults is for us. And I'll just throw myself in there too, because we have not started our family, but I'll throw out like people who are my age. If I can get a hold of all of them, just come here. If I can mm-hmm. make enough come ruckus on the internet right. and say, yeah. come over here and let me tell you, let me share with you the things that you weren't given. Let me introduce you to the people that can help you make the best decision for you in choosing your practitioner and choosing the different avenues of healing that you want to go down, all that, like, here's some information, here's some people, here's some resources. At least this is my thought. This is my theory is that if I can catch a lot of people before they actually have the teenager, before they have the sexually active kid, and we can work on their relationship with their bodies, work on their relationship with their sexuality, then maybe they'll create more of a safe space and they have more knowledge, certainly and information than the people, you know, who brought them into the world that they can then give to their kids. And maybe I'm delusional, but no, I'm going to give well, it a No, I think you hit the nail on the head. The power of, and we both live in Austin, and I was just talking yesterday because I had some folks in that are actually mutual friends. And the community part is essential because you're in a group of people, say 50 to 100 folks here in Austin that are highly educated, highly motivated. You're in that alternative space, whether it's working out and or you all have your own little niches. 
but you are able to bring people in, like you just said, and make them feel welcome and then allow them to ask those questions that they were afraid to ask. You know, that's the other thing. That's where you being on Instagram and having your podcast and saying words that nobody wants to say, vagina, clitoris, whatever it is, which seems so funny to me that people won't say it. It's so funny. My kids, their mom and myself were divorced, but when they were growing up, we were both gynecologists. So in kindergarten, my kids said vagina and penis. That was the thing. And I was bring your dad to school day. So I went in one day and my kindergarten son, he just raised his hand. It's like kindergarten cub. He raised his hand. He's like, hey, dad, remember when you told me that girls have vaginas? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And the teacher was like freaking out because this was, you know, he's 21. I was like 16 years ago. And I just remember, I'm like, why are you freaking? It's called a vagina. You know, it's, that's what it is. But he just talked about it like it wasn't. Any, and that to me is going to create a person, a teenager that's comfortable and they'll go into the doctor and ask those questions. They're yeah. comfortable with their bodies. I can't tell you how many girls I see in their early 20s that have piercings, they're completely shaved, and yet they don't know anything about their own anatomy because that piercing, that shaving, that's part of them exploring and trying to do something that they want to do, but they weren't educated about their bodies because they grew up in a very conservative family or something like that. And so it's starting, but we're still at the beginning stages. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that a big part of your work is helping women also understand their hormones, right? You have a whole book on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I would love to get a little insider scoop on that. Um, because before I hit record, there were a few things that you were mentioning to me that you're really passionate about. And the, yeah. the first one that I want to touch on is right now there's this wave of kind of pushback on birth control, which I don't want to vilify necessarily birth control. There are lots of dark things that I have discovered yeah. over the years in birth control and all that. And I still acknowledge that I'm glad we have access to it. Yeah. And I'm on a mission to help people if they choose that, then they do it from an empowered place. Not like a, I just pierce the clit, shave the mom's pubis, I do the things, but I don't actually know what's going on there. Yeah. Right. So it's more like I want people to be choosing what is best for them from an empowered place. Sure. You know what I mean? And also setting up a foundation for them to the best that I can help or guide where they feel like their decisions are not deeply woven into their identities so that they mm -hmm. can choose to change their minds. Like you can yeah. absolutely, from an empowered place, choose a thing for a certain phase in life or a season in life and then go, oh, I have more information. These things yeah. change. I want something different for myself and then change your mind and do something different. Because I think sometimes people get really caught up in the, what does it mean about me and the identity? And if I choose something different, then it means that I'm going against what I told everyone that I am. And it's like, right. oh, humans change. But anyway, yeah. so the whole thing on birth control, I think has had some women even go, ooh, now I don't want to touch anything that's synthetic. I don't want to touch if this is bad and I don't need it or want it, then there's this kind of fear about taking hormones or supplementing hormones. Yeah. And I know that you know <laughs> that sometimes hormones can save lives. Well, they can certainly change lives and make you a more productive, happy human being. And what I find out, we were talking about something that keeps me going. And that is kind of that, because I have a daughter who's 29 and she's the family like flaming liberal. And I'm an independent. She's got a couple of brothers that are on the right. And boy, those conversations are fun. Oh, wow. But I love the fact that she's like that. I really do. I think she's going to get shit done. And I love the fact that I just did an interview with Roya Pakzad, who is the CEO of a company called Feminade. 
And she's Iranian. And we were talking about what's going on in Iran. And even women there can't even show their hair, for goodness sakes. But they're standing up for themselves. And that, I think we are seeing a groundswell. What I find, I've been doing bioidentical hormone replacements probably since 2005. And back then I was a pariah, like people thought I was a weirdo. Now it's kind of on every street corner. But what I find is that women go into the doctor with the pain points of insomnia, weight gain, energy sucks. They have irregular painful periods. They've gained 10 pounds and they're always, always, always told. One, we don't have to draw your hormones because they go up and down. So how are we going to be able to tell what's right or wrong? Two, you're just getting older. Three, you have two children under the age of five. Of course, you're going to be fatigued. They are constantly, constantly brushed off. And this is by women doctors. I mean, majority of gynecologists now are female. And I see a lot of these women. And so it's not just a patriarchy anymore. It's a doctorarchy. That's what I call it. And it's just this mindset that normal is normal and you should feel fine if you're normal. The problem is normal. I always look at normal. Normal is in the house, right? But you could be laying on the floor in the basement and that's not going to feel as good as in the middle floor. Right. So normal's a range. Normal doesn't mean shit to me. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, you don't want to be high outside of normal or way down at the bottom of abnormal. But who's to say your normal is the same as your friends, right? And what we're doing is we're putting women, we're, it's like a cattle call. We're putting them all in the corral and saying, okay, y'all are normal. But there could be some women that just feel like complete crap. And that's where I started the idea of writing this book was I always used to say normal isn't always normal. And I kept saying it and I was just getting patients that would come to me because their friend would come in and she felt like a million bucks. And all I did was nudge her thyroid back up into the middle of normal. Wasn't like rocket science, but it seemed like it was rocket science. And it's so funny because it's so easy. And yet I always ask women to hear something I always get too. They'll feel like a million bucks. They'll come back in. And this is always the question. How long do I get to feel this way? And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, are you going to take me off of it in three months? I'm like, how long do you want to feel this way? I mean, and that's, but that's programmed into the females in our society. Like they're supposed to suffer a little bit. Hell, even from the time of Eve, if you're a Christian, women are the cause of all of our problems and they've been punished ever since. But for some reason, we don't ask men like, hey, buddy, what's your testosterone? Oh, my testosterone's better. How long do you want to be on testosterone? We just keep them on it. We don't ask men that question or we don't ever tell a guy, dude, you're just getting older, man. I'm sorry. We don't say that to men. Yeah. Here's you know? a pill to help your erections. Here's, exactly. here's a method in order to last longer. Here's some hormones in order to right. keep the drive up. And sex drive too. So that's the, one of the bigger things I see. How many women, and you probably talk to more than I do about this, but how many women come in to see me and I always ask, they'll say, oh, my sex drive is down and my husband hates it. Well, who cares what the hell he thinks? I mean, right. what do you think? You're going to say, your like, sex drive is down. Do right. you like that? And I said to her, well, and I said, if your sex drive is down, is it bothering you? And yeah. she's like, no, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, then it's not a problem, right? right? right. If it's bothering you because you want to have more sex, then that's an issue. But if you don't, I always tell women too, it's like, if I ask you the top five things you got to do today, sex ain't on the list. I mean, for most women, <laughs> but for the guy, it's probably one or two. And so men are really, we're geniuses. We'll make you feel like shit thinking, so we're not geniuses, that that's going to guilt you into having sex with us when it really just makes you not want to have sex with us. 
So that's where you come in handy because you can talk about all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I often will ask women that too. Or they're like, yeah. Oh, you know what it was? I got on a call the other day and the person was like, you know, because I attract a lot of type A women that own their own businesses. Yeah, um, That are the main, they use the term breadwinner of their yep. family. Yep. And they have, whether they were like that when they first got in their relationship or not, that's where they are at. And they are very focused and driven mm -hmm. in their business and their work. And yes. that fuels their purpose. And of course, that's like a high T kind of thing. It's a very masculine yep. edge to it. And then what oftentimes winds up happening is that their partner gets a little needy, a little whiny, a little like feminine and a little bit of kind of way. I have been there. Yes. So, and yeah. then that just like makes it even worse. It's like yep. this weird kind of role reversal. But Anyway, some women, when they come to me, they're like, oh, I see this happening and I hate it. You know, I'm like, I'm not attracted, but I want to be. And I know that I want to have the marriage and I want to have the life yeah. where I get to have it all. And then they go, and my poor husband. Yeah. Like, I want to be able, I want to be able to give yep. it to him. And I go, yep. hey, there's a component of who you are yeah. that is not being expressed. Do you want to let her out? She's not gone. Yeah. We don't have to get her back, so to speak. It's like we get to prioritize mm -hmm. and make space and actually have you feel your feelings and put down the fact that you've got the work hat on all the time and you've got this like powerful CEO get up on and you just wear it every day, mm -hmm. all day. But that can be really challenging. There's a lot. That's a whole big conversation of like how to take that mask off. And then, oh, well, when anything that I have left after my work is for my kids. And then what the like tiny little bit that's left, I try mm -hmm. to give it to my husband. I go, where are you <laughs> yeah. in all of it? Mm -hmm. Like we just, let's look at it for what it actually is. Look at some lifestyle shifting. And then also bioidentical hormones are definitely yeah. an option for people that they're maybe not even aware of. So Jordan, I'm pretty sure even went on, I don't know if he was on testosterone for a little while, but he... I think that he might have been just for a little while, got some blood work done, was working with a, a company called Blokes. And mm -hmm. I think he was on some peptides and he was on all these things. And he's due to have his blood work done over again. But even for him, like he's a healthy, very fit, um, yeah. very yep. active. Yep. He's very conscientious of pretty much everything he puts in his body. He goes for like he does all of his work calls walking around the neighborhood. He's got like nine and a half abs. He's anybody that's ever seen him knows exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. He, <laughs> he's like a golden boy. He, the sun yeah. loves him. So he's always got his vitamin D. He's like he's perfect. Yeah. You know, and so for him to even have his blood work come back and it be a little, it's just suboptimal. It's not low. It's suboptimal. Right. And he yeah. lives his life for optimal. Okay. And so That's you were talking normal. about normal, but what do people exactly. do when they go? How many I, women's live for optimal? Right. Hardly any. Right. Well, I don't want normal. I want better than normal. How do yep. I get to optimal? I agree. And the optimal range is not something that doctors talk about. We just, like I said, normal, abnormal. There is no optimal. And that's why I always use that. I would say if you use the house analogy, you're in the house, you kind of want to be on the staircase in between the main floor and the attic, not down in the basement. Right. And that's how I look at things. And interestingly enough, I'm going to spill my guts here. I don't think I've ever told this story physically, but I got divorced about five years ago when I was 50. And I had a real struggle because I was in that type of relationship. My wife's a very strong physician. She made more money than me. I became more of the caregiver. She became more of the breadwinner. 
And I had that role reversal and we talked, I was friend kind of associated with you back then and my confidence sucked. It really sucked. And so one of the days, then years later, I really talked when I sat down, I talked to my ex and I said, you know, I have to apologize because I said what I did. And it's not that I allowed her to, she was just being herself. I became that kind of lesser energy and how could she respect me as I should have risen to the occasion as a man and given her that sounding board and been her equal. Instead, I shrank back and kind of did the other daily menial duties. And then I felt shitty about myself. And I said, if I had to change things, I would have been more confident. I would have been more of an equal to you and not a lesser. And I think that was the big learning thing for me as a man, that you don't have to be above, you just be equal. But yeah, I think that we do things in the sense that to just maintain, we're just getting by, you know, and the CEOs, what's really funny is those hardcore CEO types that are driven, they sometimes also get lost in that. And then it's hard for them to just flip a switch when they get home and be this feminine kind of doting type of where they're going to be like, oh, honey, what do you want? They're still, you know, you can't just turn that power off, right? You have to just learn how to work with it and to be happy with who you are. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I call that crunchy phase or it's like a gear shift Yeah, where it's like, you know, and then it smooths out. I definitely downshifted and then had to learn. It took me a long time. And I finally met a woman that helped me with that because she always kept reminding me like, because I use self-deprecation as a protection mechanism. And she would always call me on it. She's like, why are you saying that? I would say, oh, you're so pretty, you know, why are you with me? You know? Yeah. And she's like, why would you say that? And so relationships, those are probably, I mean, I'm glad you talk about it because it's too complicated (laughs) for me. But what I can do is, as in my area, is help those women that sometimes testosterone can be too high. And I see that a lot with women on pellets. And that can turn you into that type A person and you really don't want to be. And so there's definitely highs and lows for optimal as well. But women should, they should ask those questions. I always tell women, cause they'll ask me on Instagram, what test should I get? What should I tell my doctor I want to do? And then they'll come back and they'll say, well, I told them I want to test or I told her and they said, no, what should I do? Well, I find a different doctor. That's first step. Why are we telling people we don't want to order? I don't, it doesn't cost me any money to order you a test. It's an ego. It's the ego thinking, oh my God, you're on the internet and you're asking questions. And I would tell you, keep pushing because I've learned things from my patients. I've had people come in and ask me questions about things. And I'm like on my phone in the visit trying to figure out what they're talking about because I don't know everything. But I like people that are motivated like that. Now I'll have people come in sometimes with, this is really funny with my book and they'll have like all these tabs and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But overall, I like that (laughs) empowerment. I like that drive and that desire to learn because that's going to help you and it's going to help me. Because when I prescribe stuff for you, I want you to interact and ask questions and help with adjustments and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So I'm piecing some things together mentally that almost feel like an infinity loop that's feeding into one side or the other side. And walk with me here. Okay. So you're you going to go deep. You're going to go deep. I don't know. It also might break my brain. So let me just make sure I've got it. So I think lifestyle And like what you were describing with your previous partner, I think whether it be food or 
mindset, even Mm -hmm. mental state. There's so many factors that create the environment that leads to suboptimal hormone levels. So if you address those things, would the theory then be that if you address those things, the hormones will essentially balance back out or go where they need to go or where they, where you would like for them to go possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think of myself as an end game diagnostician in the sense that I'll diagnose hormones that are abnormal or out of whack, but something happened a long time ago, right? Right. I have six things that I think people should work on. One is a spiritual practice. Yeah. I think they're different for everybody, but a good spiritual practice. Hormones, kind of like for me, I like to correct the hormones to get you feeling better and then we'll work on a long-term plan. Something I call infaceuticals, which is kind of the energetic side of medicine. So for people that like trying essential oils, acupuncture, massage therapy, different body techniques, Reiki and stuff like that. Nutrition, exercise, and proper supplementation if you need that, you know, and those are all ways you come at this. Yes. Okay. And so how that winds up then feeding back is the possibility that if the get to a place where something's got to give, doc, can you help me? Doctor gives bioidentical hormones and things start kind of leveling out. And then possibly that, I don't want to necessarily call it a course correction in their hormones Mm -hmm. or the levels, but then that leads them to generally feeling a bit better that then influences the environment that created it in the first place, possibly. So that's where the infinity kind of goes back. And and if they go backwards on that loop, what happens is they start feeling better and then they'll say, oh, my relationship sucks. I need to work on that. Yeah. And and so it can go forward and backwards. And it, right. that, I guess, makes the infinity loop. So that's a, actually an excellent, I'm going to start using that. <laughs> you heard it here? I did. I'll give you First credit. <laughs> Great. Because a lot of times I'll share with people where they're like, oh, do you think I should get my hormones checked? They go, wait, hang on. Do you actually want to fuck your husband? Yeah. Regardless if your hormones are doing their thing. Regardless, I say it a little different, but I ask the same question. Yeah, you know, I'm a little, I like a shock. You can ask, I actually would like to ask it that way, but I can't. Yeah, well, okay. So that's true. Would you like to have sexual and sexual experiences with your husband or intercourse or whatever, or with your partner even, because it's not mutually exclusive to a heterosexual relationship. It's just these things happen in relationships. And I think instead of people thinking like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? How about zoom out and go, oh, wow. We're humans doing a very predictable human thing right now. And we can take responsibility. I can take responsibility for myself and the role that I play in it. And I can evoke change in this if I want to. Or I can continue eking it out, you know. And the thing is, when your hormones get out of whack, then it almost feels like in some ways out of control. Because like your physical body is reacting to that with the fatigue or the brain fog or the overdrive and all of that. I think it's funny. Sometimes I have men come in with their wives and or their partners, and I'll always say to the guys when they come in, number one, she doesn't want to have sex with jerks. Um, right, 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 right. Nobody wants to have sex. Most guys with forget that part, but that's pretty important. <laughs> and number two, I always say, hey, if you want to have sex with her, how about instead of coming up to her in the kitchen and grabbing her butt or putting on your sweet moves, How about you do the dishes and tell her to go have a seat and take a bath or watch TV and actually emotionally and physically take care of her because that's going to connect you more to her. But men, I always say we're dumb. We get in that caveman brain, right? And hey, if anybody wants to learn how to take care of a woman, watch Jordan. 
because oh. the guy is like amazing. I mean, he is so he's caught. I've, I've been watching YouTube for three years and I'm like, sometimes I would be like, oh, damn it. Because you guys are so perfect. I'm like, cause I'm single and I'm like, shit, I got somebody. But the guy is like, sometimes I was like, I can't believe this guy. I want to go out with this guy. Right. I mean, he's like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. but that's what it should be. You mentioned, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago. I think it was during COVID. You were having a hard time about something and you were crying on your Instagram page. And he just kind of like the next few posts, he was there. He was taking care of me. And then, of course, you're going to want to have intimate relationship with the guy because he's nurturing you. He's taking care of you. He's not coming up to you and like, hey, baby, you want to fuck in the kitchen? Which well, maybe, he does, you know, he some, does do that. Sometimes, too. yeah, okay. <laughs> well, but he's earned that. He's earned Right. That. In a lot of ways, if we want to use it, he's built up the credit, so to speak. That's right. It's a credit card and he's got, he's all paid up. So, yeah. But anybody that has an issue... Tell your husbands to follow Jordan and, and, and you and watch him. That yeah. is so Never sweet. Never met the guy, but I can imagine he's pretty spectacular. He is the best. He is my favorite human I've ever met. Of course. I mean, otherwise, why would be. I have married yeah. him? Well, but, people what, do that too, you know? Yeah. I mean, what really stands out to me is, and my encouragement for others is that if that's the case in your, like, if you look at your relationship, like he doesn't do those things because he's trying to get something from me. Exactly. He does those yep. things because he genuinely cares about me. And exactly. that breeds intimacy and intimacy breeds take your clothes off, you know, like for some people, maybe sometimes, yeah. maybe. But yeah. he just wants harmony. And that's a mm -hmm. word he goes to very frequently. And that's uh -huh. because he came like from a that. very tumultuous upbringing where yep. he, all he wanted was peace. And yep. it was very unpredictable and functioning alcoholic parent. And yep. it was just like he just wanted harmony and peace. And so. And it could have been easier for him to just be an alcoholic. I mean, oh, you got to yeah. fight. You got to fight to fix that in yourself. And yeah. you guys are lucky in the sense that I think emotionally and spiritually you're way more advanced than others. But that's a lot of work, right? I mean, it's yeah. not something you just did overnight. Totally. And I also think that both of us were born for this in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because like we have siblings that are not like us. You know, well, and how often were you way. criticized or told, don't do that, that's stupid? Oh, exactly. Or, you know, absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Too emotional, too feeler, yeah. take things too personally. When now that I've grown up, I go, oh, it's because this isn't the way to show healthy love, y'all. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm the stand for it. But well, and one of the most important things I think we can do, and this has been shown in studies for longevity, is to have a loving relationship and a strong sexual relationship with somebody uh, that makes you live longer. Yeah. I mean, and, and a dog and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of house well, plants. <laughs> something you can take care of, I guess. Very true. So I think how I'd like to maybe shift our conversation and take land the plane, not right now, but in a few minutes, okay. I would love some encouragement and advice for our audience that we've had most of this conversation kind of assuming that everyone who's listening knows what the hormones we're even talking about are, mm -hmm. you know? So let's double click on that for a moment and give some really, okay. let's say basic information. And then I guess kind of flow into like ways to be curious about it and sure. how you would give advice and maybe encourage people on their journeys. My book and my podcast are good starting points because I do just talk about I break them down, but we're talking about estradiol, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, vitamin D, and thyroid hormones. Those are the big. Now you can also talk about insulin and cortisol, and those are super important as well. 
Starting point wise, if you're lucky enough to already have somebody, there's two ways to look at this. One is a lot of women want to use their insurance and there aren't a lot of insurance providers that actually will do this kind of stuff, but I'm still one of those people. But find a couple of, ask your friends, what are you doing? Who are you seeing? Like you said, who's worth seeing? Well, I can tell you who not to see, you know, that kind of stuff. Try to find a provider that you feel comfortable with, right? Because you want to have a relationship with somebody that listens and things like that. So then you need to know what the tests are. You need to know what you want to test. And I think those are pretty standard life extension we mentioned earlier. There are a lot of labs out there that have a pretty good basic women's hormone panel. And you get that blood drawn. And what's funny now is you can get blood drawn. Anybody can order their own test, but then you got to get it interpreted. I mean, there's a ton of, the other thing is there's a ton of experts out there that may or may not be experts. Anybody can claim to be an expert nowadays, but you want to find somebody that got their chops, somebody that's not just seen 10 patients or that isn't just reading a study, somebody that's actually lived it. Because I feel like you do better when you have a provider that's taking care of a lot of people because you got to learn how to, hormones fluctuate and you got to have somebody that knows how to think on their feet and can listen to your story and make adjustments based on what you're doing. But overall, you have to be comfortable with the person you're seeing. Because I can tell you what, women always ask me, how do I make my doctor get these tests? You don't. If you have to make them do it, don't just see somebody else because it's not worth it. That's already an antagonistic relationship. And it's probably being propagated by a mindset because that's what you've done in the past. You've had to force things to get things done. You want to have somebody that's going to work with you, not against you. So looking on the Institute of Functional Medicine or the Integrated Medicine Program, they'll have like providers in your zip code. That's a good starting place. But even then, you might get somebody you don't connect with. So you want to make sure, I always say you meet five doctors, you probably won't like three of them, just personality wise. That's not a good way to heal. That's not a good way to get better. You want to find someone that you look forward to seeing, that you're okay to talk about whatever you want, you feel comfortable. And they're giving you good sound advice. And they're not just saying, oh, take, because some docs will actually do like, just take the hormones and I'll talk to you in six weeks. I like to leave it as an open-ended conversation. Amazing. You still, oh, you're still yeah. there. <laughs> no, he's kidding. I'm just But it, it's super important. Yeah. Now, like I said, it's just being your own advocate because unfortunately in hormones, doctors have drawn a line in the sand. I can tell you there is a cadre of about five or six gynecologists on Instagram and they are anti almost everything and they only promote certain pharmaceutical brands and they're all women. I just want to throw that out there because male gynecologists are pretty cool. <laughs> I'm a little biased. I'm going to be a female gynecologist for Halloween though. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I want to see it. if I get, I want to see if I get more patients. I mean, um, it's very 2022. Of you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to, you know, go in, go out, whatever. But so I think it's important for you to feel acknowledged. First of all, yeah. if anybody ever tells you, one, they're not going to order your labs because insurance won't cover it. Not true. That you can't order hormones because you're fluctuating too much. Can't tell. That's not true. Anytime you meet that kind of resistance, that's just somebody that's not interested in that aspect of your life. Yeah. So don't pursue it. Find somebody that is. Yeah. And I also think, you know, I, I've spoken with some people that have gotten a, like a weird kind of feel and energetic, oh, sure. like going yeah. into an office, the whole way it goes down, but they need the checkup and they waited a long time for this appointment. And so like in the office and 
it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes past. And like, then the doctor comes in and the energy is weird and then yeah. things, but then they essentially endure and bear down in some ways and allow, whether it's a, depending on what kind of consultation is, or if it's like a pap smear or something like that, but then they allow that energy, that person to get up close and personal with yeah. their genitals, which is yeah. very vulnerable. And some people leave and have had a traumatic experience. I know like trauma's got a really wide range of how it impacts a person's psyche and body and spirit. But I know a lot of women that have been like, oh, you know, if it was a romantic partner, they would have been like, no, this isn't happening. You're not, you're, this isn't, you know, yeah. it's the same thing that can go off inside of a person. And so if for any of our listeners, like if you have a doctor that you dread going to or you're trying a new one on right. and something doesn't feel right, leave. Yeah. Leave. In the long run, like who was worth it more to you? You don't want to offend the doctor because you wasted time or you did this thing. If you like go to the checkout on the way out and go, what do I owe you? I didn't even see them. What do I owe you? Whatever that looks like is stick up for yourself and be with yeah, yourself. I mean and you can do it. It's Graceful. just, you don't have to be, yeah, you just say, hey, I've had a couple of patients that have left here and there was an aspect that we didn't talk about and they'll text me or they'll send me a message on the portal and I'm like, oh my, I'm so sorry. Let's just talk now or tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. Because sometimes you just forget or you don't answer. Or sometimes doctors are really good at trying to make you walk through the forest on the path that they want you to walk on because they're trying to get you to a certain point. Because sometimes if you let people wander, they wander and yeah. you have to redirect them. But sometimes the wandering is where you find the good stuff too. Yeah. Like you said, you got to just be your own advocate. And, yeah. and like you said, energetically, I had a lady come in, young girl, probably 25, and she was having some discharge and I wanted to do a swab of the vagina to see if there was any infection. And she had trauma from being abused in the past and she was very open about it. And she was so nervous. I could tell she was so nervous. And here I am, 55-year-old male. And so that is just a setup for negativity anyways. So I just asked her, I'm like, hey, I can step out of the room and you can swab yourself and then I'll just come back in and we'll, send, we'll put it in the container and we'll send it up. There's no need for me to actually do the swab. You can right, do that. Right. And she was like, oh my God, you'd let me do that? Of course. I'd let, I don't mean, I don't. But for her, I could just see her shoulders drop a little bit. She relaxed a little bit. And that, I think, probably more than anything, she comes back to me now all the time. She texts me all the time. She's pretty funny. But that just gave, I can tell you as a doctor, there is nothing more gratifying than having somebody like that trust you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that to me is, that's the ultimate. And that's why I think we initially get into this, but we get beaten down by all the other things in life and you get older and crabbier. But I can tell you that that just is like, uh, that just feels great to me. Mm. Yeah, that feels great to me too. So, There's always those, those options are always out there. You yeah. just have to think about them and put them, yeah. you know. Yeah. But like I said, we all have our bad days. And yeah. And I think the powerful Google machine mm -hmm. is really overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Like super overwhelming. Even just looking into, because I wasn't sure what I was looking for very recently. I'm like, I'm just looking for something that I'm not sure if it's a thing or if it's not a thing. And like, Google just is filled with ads and filled with whoever's going to pay the most in order for their search thing to come to the top. And like, I'm getting information that's not even anywhere in my area and I'm yeah. not even getting clear on what I'm trying to figure out I'm asking for so that I know who to go to. And to me, 
I wind up getting kind of overwhelmed and I'm like, I have other shit to do. And then I close the tab and like, I will just put this on my to-do list and eventually at some point figure it out. And I am a pretty well-connected person. So for yeah. me to even be like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. When yeah, you this become the patient, all your information falls out of your head. My oldest son is a second year medical student and he texted me the other day and he said, my balls hurt. <laughs> I have three boys, so I'm used to that. But I said, what's going on? He's like, I think I have cancer. And he's like 26. I'm like, you don't have cancer. But I said, why? And he goes, because I'm feeling it and I feel a mass above my testicle. And I said, how about you feel the other side? And he said, okay. And I said, does it feel the same? And he said, yes. And I said, then it's not cancer. He's like, oh, okay. But here's a kid that's studying to be a doctor, but he's so worried that all of that information just falls out of your head and you just, but I can tell you, even me as a patient, I get doctors that gaslight me all the time. Like if I go in, like I wanted to do some sort of a cardiac workup because I have a family history and I wanted to do some supplementing. And I went and talked to this guy, mainstream guy, and he's like, oh, that's stupid. Uh, and I'm like, uh. stupid. I mean, I'm somewhat knowledgeable. I can, you know, so it, it even happens to me. So I think that Gaslighting is something that's really prevalent in medicine, unfortunately. But the only way we can change that is by propping up the providers that don't do that and telling the other providers that do do it that I don't like that, you know, and yeah. that can be with Google reviews or whatever, but you just need to tell them that's not going to fly anymore. Totally. Yeah. And having more doctors on platforms like this and yeah. larger and smaller even where and more marginalized where it's like hey this is really what's available and this is what's possible and the things that you've been experiencing you don't have to keep experiencing them that's not your only option so this is great i'm so glad we got to have this conversation Thanks. i'm sure that this is going to benefit so many of our listeners and i want to give some space here as my last question that's really sure. kind of back to before i hit the record button which is i want to hear what you and your practice, where you're at in your life right now, like what is really moving you? What are you so passionate about that's been the most well, recent I, inspiration of the ahas and fueling I would the, have the flame? Two moments, one professional and one personal, I guess. The professional part is what I'm seeing just around the world right now with, unfortunately, the United Nations did them a disservice, but seeing women in Iran cutting their hair flipping off the patriarchy because they are threatened with death. You know, I mean, this is not like us speaking up. This is like they could be killed for this. And some of them are. But watching that empowerment and then because to me, that is what I see in the hormone field, albeit at a lesser degree, because I don't want to diminish what's going on over there. But I want to see this advocacy with I take out these Easter coils and I've been doing it for six years. And to watch the women, Bear just had to pay a $600 million lawsuit for this medical device. And it really injured a lot of women. You say it again, Esher Coil? Yeah, E-S-S-U-R-E. And mm -hmm. they were pulled off the market in 2016 or 18. And these are but inserted they, when? They're little fallopian tube coils that mm -hmm. we would put in the tubes and they scar shut so that women wouldn't get pregnant. But they're coated with like polyethyl trephalate and titanium and nickel and there's all these chemicals in there that are now causing problems like 10 years later. And naturally women are being told, no, that doesn't cause a problem. But there was one woman, Angie Fermolino, who said, no, this isn't right. And she started a website years ago and 
the company ended up settling like four years ago for $600 million. There's been a movie on Netflix called The Bleeding Edge that was basically, I mean, one person caused all that change and validated 40, there's been a million of these put in. So there's a lot of women out there that are still finding me because they want them out. On a personal level, I have to say that when I got divorced five years ago, I hit rock bottom. I was like, I just was done and all, you know. And then to find a human that you connect with, that you can find love again with on a completely different, because I was not expecting this. It sounds corny almost, but I just didn't know that that was possible. I thought I did, but this is unconditional. And to find a person that also, you know, I can't tell you, I don't like looking in the mirror and looking at myself sometimes, but to find a person that she wants me to be naked in the mirror, it's like, it blows my mind. And I'm like, she's gorgeous. And I honestly feel like it has made me see life so differently. Just having those glasses on where somebody, like nothing I can do, well, not nothing. I would say I probably can make her mad if I tried, but it's just having that person with you. And it could be a spouse. It could be a friend, but it's really opened me up to my kids and to a lot of other, I think for my patients. So dare I say openly that I am happy for probably the first time in a long time. Oh, congratulations. Well, and now we Todd, we had this discussion. I see you and Jordan and with all the beautiful people out in Austin. Sometimes. And I never come up and introduce myself because, you know, I'm kind of like starstruck. But now if I see you guys, I'm coming right up. Yeah. Yeah. Please. If you ever see us out, please come. And I'll probably want to do some ab pics with Jordan. We'll both show our, I have no abs, but (laughs) I can be the before and he'll be the after. No, No, he's so silly. Yeah. yeah, But no, it'll be fun to have a better relationship with you guys and, and that circle. Yeah. And you and being accepted for all of the yeah. The beauty and the greatness and of course the knowledge and beauty goes, of course, you know, beyond skin deep. And also yeah. you got a really good, like nice little facial structure. Oh yeah. Silver the, Fox, and right? The, and the hair yeah, and the yeah. blue eyes. So well, you I'm not bald. So stop it. And bald is also I'm beautiful. Not, I'm not right? JP. I don't have the long locks <laughs> going on. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Dr. Sean, thank you. I appreciate oh, you. you taking the time to show all of us what is actually possible that you can have someone who's not so far out there in the woo spiritual space and is only looking at alternative forms of medicine while completely vilifying the medical system. And then we have people on the complete other end of the spectrum that it's like all that stuff is mumbo jumbo garbage. And this is the Mm -hmm. only way to heal and the only way to cure and the only way to do things. To me, you represent someone who's more or less in the middle of that. And I think so many people, that's what they're craving. Like you said, independent. Like I'm in the middle. I like the gray area. What's wrong with me really wanting to be in the gray area? There's nothing wrong with saying like, I want to take the best components of this side and the best components of this side and then run them through my unique filtration system and then make a decision that's best for me. That is not meant to be offensive to anyone else who's paying attention to me because it's not about them. So I'm going to steal that too. So thanks. (laughs) Just call me anytime you want some proprietary gold. I like the filtration system. I'm going to use that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's unique. So anyway, again, thank you for coming on and sharing your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing you out and about in Austin now. And I'm also looking forward to gathering your information. That way, when these questions come up in these text threads, 
now that yeah. I really truly know what you do and who you are and I've met you, then it's like, okay, well, hey, this might not be your perfect fit, but this is a fit. This is someone who fits the bill of what you're asking Certainly for. Certainly try. Right here in Austin. Yep. So I'm really stoked for that. Well, anyway, you. again, thank you so much. All Have right. a beautiful day. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.